We've rounded up results from the Capcom Pro Tour and other online tournaments, as well as various opinions from respected community members to try to hammer down a general idea of Street Fighter V's particularly elusive Season 5 tier list. Also, a one-on-one -on -one lesson in dating advice, all on this week's episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. All right, welcome back to another episode of the Event Hubs Podcast. I am John Catalyst Gray, and with me as always is John Velociraptor Guerrero. You're excited this morning, I can tell. Yeah, I'm excited to get the hell done with 2020 uh, and wow. get this whole year behind us because it's been terrible and continues to be terrible, but I am trying to ignore all the crazy, terrible stuff happening and just go on with my life, and I am much happier for it, so... Yeah, well then let's just uh, let's see what's going on in the FGC. Oh, is it crazy terrible stuff? Let's talk uh, no, about that. No, we've got tournaments. They're online tournaments, which I love, and there's which nothing is crazy wrong and terrible. It. No, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> clearly nothing wrong going on with online tournaments. But but yeah, actually picking up right there, um, I wanted to get to the strongest characters we're seeing based on tournament results. And I know you have a little bit of a different tact with this, um, so we'll you know we'll, we'll ping pong kind of back and forth with it. But but just getting us started here, the first character who jumps out at me is Poison. Watching Idon play her, he's gotten even better with the character since he won Capcom Cup, but she also got a gigantic, a gigantic buff in her V skill too. The big key here is Poison can anti-air with her crouching medium punch, which is one of, of course, as we know, the best anti-air buttons in the entire game, but now she can use her V skill too to switch sides. So this gets Poison out of very bad situations, which lets, that lets her manipulate the space like really heavily in matches. And it's like watching Idom use this, like it's not even just to get out of the corner sometimes, it's like to corner the opponent, it's to... Um, it's just to manipulate space and put her in a really good spot. And she was probably already underrated to begin with, but now she's even better at controlling space and she got some other buffs on top of it. And so I'm looking at Poison and going, wow, this might be the best buff in all the season five off the top of my head. Like that's what I think. It's it's pretty darn crazy. What was it specifically as the best buff? Uh, the, her V skill two being added okay. to the game. Yeah. So with Poison, it's interesting because she's kind of been a slow burn. Uh, as a more slightly more technical and more thoughtful character she's not as uh, intuitive i think as some of the other characters and she's not just pure rushdown which has been the traditional big winner in street fighter 5 now we have seen exceptions to that rule especially in guile and minot uh, those are the two that come to my mind uh, most readily they had to be exceptionally good at what they did to stand out because normally you needed to be very rushed down and very just in your face and pressure to be strong but if you were good enough at zoning and space control and you had something of a rushdown game which poison has all those boxes checked there was potential for you to be good just outside of just trying to maul your opponents offensively and that seems to be what's manifesting with Poison right now. I just, every time I think of her in terms of how good she is, my mind instantly goes back to Capcom Cup and actually Street Fighter League before that, but seeing Idom use her and the combo that she does where she lays down her Molotov cocktail with her V-Trigger 1 and then does in like an entire combo otherwise and the life bars just melt and it's impressive yeah. every time you see it even though you've seen it before and you know how much it technically does, it still strikes me as, man, that's a lot of damage. 
and yeah, I mean, that, I think that's one of the ways, uh, that's how he ended Capcom Cup was with those kinds of combos. And that was just very impressive to me. So she can dole out the damage. She can control the space. She's also kind of a weird character that you have to specifically investigate to know how to fight. Maybe not on the level of Dalsum, but you can't just go in and know how to approach Poison because, hey, if they're a control character, you're going to have to understand how to get through their minefield. So there's a lot of things that she has going for her, but a lot of things that the community is going to have to figure out first and it seems that they've done step one of figuring that out in those that play her are playing her at a really high clip now as that continues maybe some answers will erupt and and or will, will emerge i should say and people might begin to start figuring her out and so maybe she'll get regulated in that sense but right now she is looking a, as a very strong character and i will again call out basically the entire fgc and just say that Poison was good before. She was good before Idom was using her. She's even better now. And it's just our community is so sheep-like in their approach to these games where they call people out who use characters like Idom or Laura, or like uh, Poison or Laura. Um, and they're like, oh, that character can't win, you know, kind of thing and other stuff. And it's just like really unfortunate how our community approaches these games. They're not open-minded enough. And it's not until someone wins at the highest levels where people really, you know, get on board with it. Um, I, I know Dream King and I were calling Poison very underrated all in season four. You know, it's like, this is a really good character people are sleeping on. And sure enough, she got better. And I think we even uh, universally as a team had Laura as underrated before Idon was really winning like a lot with her um, in our tier rankings because we're like, yeah, this character is like being regarded as like, very low she's actually not that bad she's a good character now a lot of that is Idom. Idom is probably he's either the best player on the planet or among them right i mean it's he's really far up there so i mean you you it's not just the characters doing that it's you know the players behind it but um but speaking of other players doing it actually she's actually placing in the the top 32 of events right now where she was pretty much like you might have seen her, you know, in, in and up there, but now you're seeing her regularly in the top, you know, uh, end of tournaments. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm personally probably moving her into my top 10 characters when we do the tier rankings. I'm not 100% sure on that, but I I, I think it's very likely. Uh, you know, it's you don't know exactly who's going to be in there until you do it, right? But uh, I have her pretty far up the tier rankings just now. That, that V skill 2 buff of hers, oh, is it insanely good for a character like her? Yeah. Now, getting to the point you were making about the community judging too quickly, I think that that's more of a human thing. I think people in general, as opposed to just the FGC, are going to jump to those kinds of conclusions naturally very quickly. And, and I, I, I do think it's an error. I do think we should feel things out. But there's also the, the hot take. And you could also make the argument that early on, Poison wasn't as good because you're factoring in um, and, and this is a little bit uh, disingenuous because you're factoring in how much the community or, or the skill of players and the, the level of exploration that they've had thus far now poisons better because people can use her tools more efficiently. Uh, I think we're more talking about the potential of the character and trying to put everyone in a box fairly early on, and I do think that that's wrong to do. But I will say that the community is at least willing to explore her enough or to enough of a degree and explore characters that they deem maybe not that great enough to find things like this and to find out that Poison's a lot better than maybe a lot of people initially thought. Now, a more open mind and more people open to doing that is going to make that process expedited, and that would be even better. And who knows how many player or characters that we've completely overlooked because we've just written them off. 
it's a i mean we're able to talk about tiers and placements and such without end because it's such a moving crazy evolving puzzle you know what i'm talking about here this is this is like the the classic like you have to pick a top tier and you can only pick these characters and other kind of garbage that we see all throughout the community and it's from top players it's from other people um it's you know people it's a toxic mentality it's a really bad mentality and and again uh, you have to look no further than you know people saying g is a garbage character and other stuff and just like what is your problem like seriously be open-minded about this stuff look no further than hey you can only play on training stage because that's the only thing that doesn't cause latency issues you know and it's like just the amount of, of misinformation that's not checked properly that Look, seth is one of the bottom characters in the game yeah, like, for yeah, people yeah, saying and, that kind of stuff yeah i mean i i did say that uh, i but i also said with that character i said i think they're bottom 15 uh i i had them around there and i said but i'm also happy to be wrong i don't yes. know yet i was very careful with my words on this and that's the what i was about to get to is that if you're going to mention that stuff like leave room for like hey i'm not sure you know, and, mm-hmm. and express it with some nuance and other things. I'm like, this is what I'm seeing right now. And we'll get into Seth here a little bit later on. But that is what I am calling out. Don't be so like conclusive, like just so sure of yourself on this stuff where it's like, oh, yeah, this character sucks. This character's this and that. Like choose some words here a little carefully, express some stuff with some nuance is what I'm getting at. But, uh, yeah. but there it is. And and I and that I think is the exact spot that we should focus on. Just, I mean, you already said it. You already said it. Have some nuance. Leave things open. Be open to new information can come down the pike. And especially if it's like the first month after a character is released, how many times have we seen these things evolve? Just know that you don't know everything and have a bit of humility in your approach instead of coming forward with this really hot, no, worst character in the game. They suck. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. yeah yeah it's a uh, faced way too much of that through the years and again just be open it's uh, the the players who are doing the most are often very humble and very um open to new information things being presented in new ways mm-hmm. um and again it's uh yeah so but now uh, yeah. there is there's a whole other kind of side to this that i think goes hand in hand with what you're getting at right now um and that is that i went back over the tier lists of um i went through 10 tier lists that we've posted from notable players pros or or you know high level comments like Ultra David and kind of assessed a handful of characters from those where they were placed to try to see because I've, I've seen a lot of uh, differing opinions on especially on characters like Poison and I wonder do you want to kind of save that and talk about it in its own right or should I weave that into this discussion too? Yeah, wherever, wherever you want to. Okay, so okay, so that's what I basically did is um, I looked back over these tier lists and I didn't it's hard because you know people order things and they sometimes they just do it alphabetically it's like they're only separated by tiers but not maybe individually within the tiers the only one that um, discerned that was ultra david so and that was in his first tier list so he just had the top 10 in alphabetical order not necessarily in order from how strong they were um so there's there's definitely like we're saying this is not a fully authoritative conclusive thing but it is still helpful to see where the community seems to be placing people and and what I went into this thinking was that we were going to get some uh, a lot of mixed results, and the ultimate answer is that we're not sure on a lot of characters right yeah. now. And of course, we've said it a million times, we don't have one of the key indicators in on or offline major tournaments to see yeah. how the pros do against the pros when all the chips are on the table. Uh, two things on that. One, it's 
if you think online tournaments aren't an indicator of that, you're full of it. And if you think that way, I'm sorry, you're full of it because I'm watching this stuff. This is almost exactly the same as offline tournaments. There are problems here, but you can see matchups. You can see everything. You're not seeing the player diversity in terms of players from overseas competing against players from, you know, uh, North America and all that kind of stuff. That's missing. But in terms of like match knowledge and everything, it's all 100% there. It's It might be tainted a bit with the online aspect, but it's, it's still there. It's not like these players are playing completely different than they would if they were playing offline it's 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 mostly there um and then the second thing is um kind of what you're we're talking about here i want to be careful like most people aren't putting out their tier list and saying this is like the complete end all be all you know they're especially with players from japan nick has told us that they're very casual when they're putting this stuff together they just kind of like throw it together and throw it up there uh so i mean uh, mostly with tier lists i don't really take those um too seriously because we know they're usually not built seriously sure Sure. Um, but we are seeing like as 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 traditional, we've had online tournaments in the CPT before, and it was in the top eights of just almost always just the online tournaments, save for a few examples where you would see your Fongs and your Vegas and your Alexes make it into top eight, where you wouldn't see that kind of a thing happen. Now, the playing field has changed in season five and maybe some of those characters are better again we're not even sure what the tier lists look like right now so to say that one character is expected over another is not always you can't really speak with a ton of authority right now you can't really compare past online years to this year because of the stakes are very different this is how you have to enter to to get capcom cup uh and so you're seeing a bunch of players who uh, normally would just play at offline majors they're actually entering these tournaments and playing at trying to play at a high level and they're taking it seriously seriously enough to rage quit you know because of how upset they are and stuff like that and have it be a big deal where some of these shenanigans have happened in the past at online tournaments and people just did not care the stakes are very different this time around yeah so it's not exactly apples to oranges and again we keep that in our in our mind while we assess all of these things um but i I wanted to get to poison and how she performed on the uh i guess you would say something of an averaged tier list uh, and, and I didn't make an average tier list, but I did note how she did on the various tier lists. And so um, 10 players, it was like Phenom, Ultra David, Kawano, Trashbox, Gamerbee, um, two different Topanga groups involving like Fudo, Tokido, Gachikun, um, Bonchan, those kind of guys, uh, Idom, Shen, Dogura, and uh, and that was it. So there's 10 different lists. And for Poison, uh, one, two, three, four people put her, or four tier lists put her in the top 10. So that's pretty significant. Four yeah. people, um, and and these have been released. Like Idom's list was before Seth even came out, right? So there are different times on the timeline where we, some of them. Oh, well, getting back to our previous point, some of them were before any of this online stuff happened, right? They were very early on. Some of them are more recent, like Kawano's just came out yesterday or the day before, and that was, uh, you know, I mean, that, that he's had all of this extra information that some of the other ones haven't had. So another grain of salt to take with all of this, but it's what we have right now. So ten. People, or I'm sorry, four people put her in the top 10 Phenom, David, Kawano, and Trashbox. Gamer B and Idom and Topanga, two, group two, put her in the top 15, so somewhere between 10 and 15. And then Shan and Dogura put her both, uh, put her in the top 20. And then Topanga one put her in the bottom 10. She had one of the biggest spreads in terms of she wasn't really localized in, or centralized in any one spot of the tier list. She had people in the top 10 and the bottom 10, which I think speaks to what we were saying. Uh, we, we really haven't uncovered everything there is to know about Poison, but she does seem to be moving higher and higher in the tier list as we do so. Yeah, no, she's really good. 
Um, so moving on here, um, since we've, we've hit poison quite a bit, uh, I'm going to get to the characters that the reports of their death are greatly exaggerated, and that would be Karen, and Bison, and Akuma. Uh, people mm. saw changes like Akuma's crouching medium punch, having more pushback, more recovery on his forward throw, and then like increased hurt boxes. That's a big one, right? Like a bunch of people thought that, and they're like, oh, definitely worse. Well, on paper is very different than in practice, and there's a case that Akuma is even better than he was in season four. Not because of like him himself in a vacuum getting better, but because how much worse his competition is now. He's actually my number one character in the game currently, and again, it's just it's an indicator that when we're reading over patch notes, and we've talked about it before, just be very careful uh, on the you know what happens on paper versus what happens in practice. Mm-hmm. So next up, we had Karen. Um, she had her stun reduced. Her crouching medium kick hurt box was extended. People saw that and they were just like, oh, this character's done. Right. And then her forward throw got less oaky. Uh, and and it's like, OK, those are major changes. Like because Karen very often will kind of like rush you down at a certain point in a match and stun you. Right. Well, you go and you watch people like Punk, Phenom and Rob TV user. And I bet you'd be hard pressed to see how much noticeably worse than she was before. Both Punk and Phenom have won tournaments with her already. Rob TV got second with Karen. Karen. She's damn great. A top five character, in my opinion. She's just like slightly worse than she was in season four. Um, but yeah. So with Karen, and we'll go back to Akuma here, because these are these are two fairly interesting results. I think Karen even more so. Only one of the tier lists put her in the top 10, and that was GamerBee. Four people put her in the top 15, and then Topang, both Topanga groups, Trashbox, and Shen put her in the top 20, and Dogra put her as high as just top 25. So not a lot of faith in Karen from, um, from around the community as far as the tier lists go. Akuma made top 10 with everybody except for Dogra, where he was 11th. Um, he wasn't necessarily, uh, and, and only Gamer, we put him as number one. Um, he a lot of it was closer to number 10 like you know number eight number nine things like that but he did make top 10 on everyone's list except for um what did i say dogra where he was 11 so yeah there's people know that akuma never falls very far yeah it's a, a mind-blowing and this was very early on and this does it's an indicator of how people saw things on paper because you know this is without a lot of tournaments being played um you know we were just very early into season five with a lot of the tier list you're citing so Mm -hmm. it's again this is it shows what the perception was so yeah and and another thing that this might show is the uh the way the perception has evolved that could also account for why characters like poison are so spread out so on the third character here of their deaths have been greatly exaggerated would be bison uh, and he does have the least convincing results of the bunch uh, of the three that we're talking about here, but we also have not seen much from Problem X, our hot dog, in terms of CPT tournaments. Um, that said, Bison had three representatives in the top 32 of the, the Southeast Asia tournament over the weekend, and then four of them in the Middle Eastern uh, CPT event. Both of those tournaments had someone in the top eight with them, too. He's still good. He's maybe slightly worse than he was in season four uh, with the, the changes that he got, but the character is far from from obliterated as some people had him initially because he was like I think a worst case scenario for him in season four was top 10 I saw some people dropping him out of the top 10 which I'm sure you'll get into um but yeah well what would make bison fall out of fall out of fall from grace paper you know like what wouldn't what wouldn't he have that would be so great because his toolkit he's got a lot of not gimmies but you know like ex head stomp that wins 
every time someone tries to contest it, right? Almost every single time. Uh, uh, John, his John, frame I, traps and his pressure are just so good. It's like you could reduce, there's plenty of room to reduce him a little bit, and he still isn't going to lose the fundamentals that put him where he's at. John, I read the patch notes. I know everything now. Yeah. It's all done. It's <laughs> Everything is apparent. But I mean, real talk here. Bison is more um, with Punishable, with his Psycho Axe, and with his Stand Heavy Punch. Those were kind of his major changes that that those do move the needle but they move the needle for the scrubby players exactly. who are abusing that like your problem x and hot dog they're not whiffing that stuff in neutral anyway because a very good player is going to to whiff punish that to begin with now it's easier yeah he can get away with it less but like and he's got to be more calculated even at the highest levels but they're not doing it to a point where it's going to make a major change on Bison. And that's really what it comes down to. Right. And so I would say that his changes feel more like a shaving off of the fat where people that were relying on silly things that we don't want to be the case in the game to begin with, they're going to feel the impact. And and it's not to say that someone like Problem X isn't going to feel the impact or isn't ever going to whiff. And then as a result of the change, get punished this time right so it, it does affect the character but it's not going to affect them um just like basically in their gameplay you just have to be more precise but you're still doing the same things and you're still gaining the same advantages when you're in these great situations you can still use ex head stomp for everything you want you know uh, he still has all that so the character itself is not really shaken just some of the fat has been trimmed which i think everyone's happy about except for maybe the scrubs that really want it and, and Bison was one that the, uh, let me see here, only two groups placed him in the top 15. Everyone else placed him in the top 10. And uh, one, two, three, four, five people put him in the top five. So okay. Bison's still so very much a top yeah. 10 character uh, by perception of the, uh, the tiers. It, Rashid is clearly worse now, in my opinion. He's went from either being a number one or number two character to being knocked down several pegs. Uh, we've covered Rashid so much in the past. I'm going to keep this quick, but the tournament results are heavily indicating uh, that Rashid is still good, but he's not the dominant character he was previously. Where it was like, okay, here's top eight. We're definitely going to have a couple Rashid players in there. Now you might see a Rashid player in there. You might not. Uh, we're, we're seeing a lot of tournaments where he's not even really qualifying in the latter half of, of things. Uh, and like I said in season for it was pretty much in some prior seasons it was pretty much a lock that you would see one in there yeah like 17 of them as far as i could tell he's the second highest rated character on average still from these tier lists he was number one overall for idom phenom and the first topanga group everybody put him in the top 10 except for kawano who was the most recent of the tier lists by the way and then kawano had him at 11th uh, and, and he was top five for one, two, three others. So he's still among, he's in most people's top five, a handful of people's top one. But you're right, we haven't seen much in the way of results from him. I don't know how much the uh, the traditional Rashid players have, one, continued to play him, and two, participated in the events that we're, we're talking about here. So Yeah, I mean, Big Bird in the Middle Eastern tournament, he get, did get second, you know, but I mean, we're looking at like, uh, blink all, all-star challenge and stuff and jb goes i think one and two in that tournament and i mean i think most of the rashid players have actually stuck with him because he's i mean why would you drop him he's still really good he's just not insanely good uh but you're seeing those players kind of like get pieced out at like you know 25th overall or on the top 64 or other things like they are not dominating tournaments uh like we saw previously 
It's nice to see. I really don't know with Rashid because I haven't fought a lot of them in season five. I haven't played a ton, but I, you know, also haven't experienced a lot of them. I think that, like you're saying, he's definitely been nerfed and will probably be able to clearly see and feel those things when we play against him. But I really don't think that I personally have enough information to to make a very authoritative call on him right now. Yeah. Um, I haven't seen examples, and and we've seen a few, but they're not enough for me to say oh, I can I can tell you that this character's at this place. Yeah. In Southeast Asia over the the weekend, there were no Rashid players in the top 32, not a single one. So, I mean, it's it's he he's different than he was. You know, it just, it just it's very clear. I mean, it, you, you can't not see his nerfs in action and see what actually got changed and not say he's a clearly worse character. Even like, you know, the startup on his, um, uh, you know, uh, fireball, basically, I'm seeing more people kind of challenge that and, and win, you know, and we know about that one. We know about his EXDP not having as much Okazemi on it so he can, you know, do an EXDP and basically win the match. Right. Because yeah. that's really what you want. Um, but I mean, there's just a number of changes that really have added up that we've seen in practice that are like, OK, yeah, this is legitimately a thing. And I don't think anyone's too sad, say for Rashid players, that the character would fall out and not be populating half of top eights anymore and and things along those lines because... We've had Rashida Mania for a while, and it wasn't it wasn't the greatest thing. You know, it wasn't the funnest thing to watch. It was more of a groan than it was like, oh, I'm excited to see the Rashids play. So, ultimately, a good move if this is exact if this is reflective of what it's actually gonna kind of be the new norm. So next up is Seth. Uh, that's a character again. I was heavily fading. I think I had them. I initial instruments for me were like I think bottom fifteen is where I, where I put them. But simply put, the usage and the results are backing them up as legit. You could mm-hmm. argue that Chuan clearly lacked some knowledge to play against a Seth player in the grand finals and the winners finals, uh, and you know doing stuff like challenging the uh, the plus two heavy kicks and other stuff like that, which is like a very common thing you don't do against Seth players. I mean, it's why do you challenge something when you're negative two? <laughs> because in Street Fighter Five, I, I you're only as negative as you feel. Yeah, but I, but very clearly lack of knowledge there. Um, yes, but that also works the other way that the character is not fully explored because they've only been out since February. So how many things are people not doing yet? And and so that that speaks to me that, that Seth is clearly a good character. Winning tournaments is so damn rare, like to actually get first place. And, and they already have a victory. So I still have them outside of my top 10, but not a lot. Cien was using them along with Just a Kid, Zaffarino, and Chris uh, Chris Hugh. Oh, Chris Hugh. He no yeah. scare. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was completely wrong about them, uh, rating them so low. Uh, and I said it on the podcast, I'm happy to be wrong. Uh, and I like seeing strong DLC characters. So I'm like, hey, I'll hold that. Uh, I feel like Seth actually struggles still consistently to get in. But I'm also seeing a number of really nice V-Trigger 2 setups with the orb. And that's... I was not seeing previously. It's a fairly technical, you know, uh, V trigger there. And it's also a two bar V trigger. And that is resolving some of the issues that Seth players have had with like consistently getting in and kind of staying in. Uh, Two bar V triggers are very powerful in this game if they are good. And and Mm. I think Seth has a pretty good V trigger too. And and now we're starting to see some real stuff from them. Seth has been a pain in my ass. I've run into a handful of Seth online and it might just be a particularly bad matchup for Nikali is what it feels like right now. And a lot of it comes down to not only just the natural tools that Seth has, but then the um, the fact that they can come out of their forward jump with that sort of a dive kick, you know, wheel kick thing, and it changes their trajectory. That's really good in and of itself because, hey, if you can change your jump arc, that's always really nice. So 
my DPs, like I have to second guess them similar to what I might have to do against Cami, although this doesn't require uh, like as much meter as Cami usually uses to do that kind of a thing. And so I go, well, maybe I can use my my forward slash if I want to try to call out that they're going to do this, which they're usually doing when they jump until you teach them not to. And I have no way to teach them not to because I can't DP it and and just sitting there and taking it, I'll, they usually space it so that I still block, but the DP doesn't reach them. Um, and so I'm trying to use Slash, which has a hit of uh, fireball armor, but it doesn't seem to work um, against the actual kick. So I still get hit. So that doesn't seem to be a very good answer either. And I'm having a pretty hard time dealing with it. Again, it might just be the matchup, but having a tool like that, and I'm sure this would extend to more than just Nikali characters that are like Nikali probably have a similarly hard time dealing with this. So that plus you know the the up close pressure, the kind of combos and pizzazz that Seth's capable of, it still feels very early, especially with the limited amount of of information that we have. And that was one of the notes that I even put when um, when I was assessing through the tier list. Mostly not placed, but but Seth was number one for Kawano. And Kawano, again, is the most recent tier list. Number three for Gamer B, and then um, was in the top 10 for Ultra David. Then it was 17th for Phenom, and just a general A tier from Trashbox. And then everybody else hadn't hadn't rated Seth. So a little bit of an, anom- of, of an anomaly still, but very promising. And if Seth ends up anywhere above mid-tier, I think that's a pretty strong showing for a DLC character. And it doesn't fall into like the DLC characters are going to be ridiculously strong or ridiculously weak. That's where you don't want them. You know, you want them somewhere in the middle, somewhere maybe in the high mid-tier so that they can make enough of a splash. And that's where Seth's at. So yeah. good job, Capcom. Yeah, it's a, the usage for Seth is legitimate. You can't argue against it right now. You are just seeing them up and down in tournament. And uh, but speaking of tournaments, the last time we saw Seth in tournament, uh, like, you know, before the CPT season started was with uh, Topanga and that was Sako uh, busting them out and then going 0-3 with them immediately. And it's like, mm-hmm. Ooh, that's not a good look. But the they are technical characters. We said that from the, the get-go. And with technical characters, sometimes it's hard to get a good grasp on them initially. And um, so they, they've got a lot of juice in them uh, in, in terms of what you need to learn. And I mean, as you discover that stuff, it's interesting. So um, we'll see. You know, um, I I'm not sold on them being, you know, in the even in the top 10, as I mentioned before, um, it's too early and I, I want to see more of the weaknesses, but I can give a pro tip for people that are dealing with the um, basically, you know, the dive flip kick or whatever and stuff. Once a Seth player makes you block that one time, a second one is coming 80 percent of the time. It almost it is almost universal that that they will do a second one there and so like neutral jump it or do whatever and you can usually punish it because the second one coming it's like you're not even reacting you just you know a second one is coming it's almost mm-hmm. all the time it's hilarious watching it even the best Seth players are doing it I'm like yeah okay so there because it it's so good yeah. you just you can't not do it hey where would you put Bison and Rashid in the top ten yeah for sure okay yeah I think so too. Yeah. So for the most part, who was great in season four is still great in this. No one got obliterated. Some claim birdie is a lot worse, but he's still placing. I have seen former birdie players ease off him a bit though. So there's that. Like, I don't think he's a shell of his former self, but I can see people dropping him because he's not cheap and and as dirty as he used to be. He's still good. You're still seeing people play him, but it's just, it's less than it was before. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, some people who I think got clearly better, though, are Balrog, Chun-Li, Kage, Abigail, Urien, and as I previously mentioned, Poison. Uh, those are all characters I think that if you played them before, I think that their quality of life buffs have gotten significantly. Uh, they, they've made them viable tournament characters, especially someone like Balrog. You're seeing Smug, Brian F., and other people who, who definitely dabbled with other characters through the years, like kind of just like staying with Balrog and playing that character like almost not exclusively but close to it and getting good results from them and so those, those characters I mean we, we've talked about Chun-Li before we've talked about a few others like they they those are the characters who have kind of entered the, the tournament viable range now uh, if they were maybe on the fringe of it before now like you're going to see them as regulars guess which character was by far the strongest across all tier lists Chun-Li you're right. Did I tell you this yesterday? You did. I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> you, you said it in the uh, Chun, in yeah. chat. Yeah. <laughs> Chun made it into the top 10 of every single tier list. Her lowest placement was by Kawano and Phenom, who both placed her at 8th overall. And uh, she was number 1 for Trashbox, 2 for Dogura, and then 3 for both Idom and Shen. Her patch notes, which is I think a handful of these assessments are just based on the patch notes and not necessarily what we've seen, but her patch notes made her seem as one of the scariest characters because we already knew Colleen's potential, I'm sorry, Karen's potential, Colleen's another beast all by herself, but we'll get to that later. Karen's potential with her footsies, her her walk speed, and her ability to hit confirm into the damage, and Chun-Li was sort of in that same category, but with not as much potential. Her changes to being able to confirm crouching medium kick into heavy legs and have that be knocked down was one of the biggest things. And then she's also had a, a handful of decent tools in the past, and those are all still around and whatnot. But she's kind of been one of those characters that's just sort of been on the outside and needed a little bit more since she got nailed after season one for being ridiculous and too good. She's kind of been floating out there just on the outside. And this change in particular seems to uh, have put her in a place where she's a particularly scary based on what we know about the game and the potential of a footsie confirmation character like Karen. Now, we haven't seen her take Karen's place, right? We saw Karen drop fairly significantly in the in the opinions of a lot of these tier makers and Chun-Li rise significantly. But I haven't seen the results quite no, yet. No, the results are there. Um, like, for example, Myers, uh, Alex Myers was playing her primarily uh, in the Bleak All-Star Challenge, and he got fourth with her. Now, he had Cami as a sub, but he was still playing Chun-Li more often. Uh, and then, of course, Rob TV, uh, as I mentioned before, he got second with Karen, but one of his alts was Chun-Li. You know, so right, but that doesn't put her as a number one character it, it in the game. It doesn't justify it, but one thing we are seeing though is consistently more Chun Li players um, place higher in tournament. You know, and I mean mm-hmm. her actually being you know busted out there. Like Terrence got like thirteenth overall in the North American East you know uh, CPT tournament, and, and you know exclusively using Chun Li. So I mean, see, I feel like someone like Terrence, who's who's not the best, but Terrence has like shown that he's got some skill before, and that's with Chun Li that wasn't very good. I would expect him or someone like him, him and like Lud and people to be running over people if Chun is indeed as better as we thought she was going to be. Yeah, I think she got overrated and that's by us as well. You know, we some of the stuff that like we just thought would be dominant, like basically the Oki that she gets off of um, uh, some of her combos now just looked ridiculous. But mm-hmm. again, sometimes you need to sit with these changes for a while and really see how they're going to go. But um, I believe Fujimura has dropped a Buki entirely or he did previously yeah, that's insane. switched over to Chun-Li. And I mean, when you see that, I, I've always said that's a really big indicator 
Now, um, we, we've got some tournaments coming up where we're going to see hopefully people like Fujimura and others um, enter, and we're going to really see, I think, some of the more power of Chun-Li. But if you, I, I think everyone universally agrees actually right now that she is considerably better than she was in season four. Uh, now, how much better? I'm not saying top tier, but I mean just better than she was. You think she's top 10? She'd be close. Um, I think that I think she has a case for it. Uh, I'm I'm skeptical of upping her that much, but I mean, before what was she like? Maybe a mid tier character. So top yeah. ten might be too far um, because uh, these games don't change a ton between patches at this late in the the game. Yeah, I, I see. I everything about her makes me want to put her in top ten, except for that I haven't seen enough results to put her there yet. That's the only thing really at this point. Mm-hmm. And and but that's a big question mark. So we'll see. But everything else to me points to her being a top ten, and I and I still, if I made a tier list right now though, I couldn't put her there. Yeah, hey, there's a, that that top ten has got like twenty qualified characters in there, so yeah. it's it's very compressed in Street Fighter Five, and I give this game a lot of credit. It's um, uh, I think maybe Ultra Street Fighter Four was was pretty like good in terms of not having too many crappy characters, but you look at people like Hakan and Dan uh, and a few others, and you're like, yeah, those characters are pretty much balls. And, and I in this game we're hearing you know people are saying like, hey, Vega's like way better than people are giving him credit for uh, i still think he was good it's just the other shoto characters are like so much better at street fighter 5 than he is you know and but i still don't i think in a vacuum ryu is solid you know but um and, but a lot of people have him in their bottom three bottom five i don't disagree with that i think i'd have him in the same spot it's just uh, the the tiers are much more compressed i feel like in street fighter 5 than they've been in a previous capcom fighting games yeah, I think that's been the case since the beginning of the game, too. We talked about that, how the best character and the worst character were not necessarily as far apart as the best character and the worst character from Street Fighter 4 or Street Fighter 3. Now, the, how much good that does you is, is kind of not exactly uh, relevant because you still want to have a balanced game. But hey, it's progress. Mm-hmm. So I think someone who's a good bit better is also Cody because of his two-frame counter, parry, dodge, sway move, whatever you want to call it. Um, I think we'll see a good bit more of him. And Hoji's placement in the top five of CPT event, I think, is evidence of this. Um, I've always been a big advocate for Cody being a little bit underrated, or a good bit underrated, I should say. Um, But a two-frame kind of parry move, counter move, it's a big deal in Street Fighter V. And and now that Cody's got that, you're seeing most of the players who use him switch over to it. And, uh, I mean, again, getting top eight at a CPT event with a lot of people entering and a lot of very good players, that's a big deal. So um, I, I really do think Cody's a kind of a good dark horse candidate. I don't think he's going to be, like, secret, you know, top ten or anything like that. I just I do think he's a good bit better than he was previously. Do you think he might be kind of around where he was in Street Fighter 4? I think better, actually, because it, it's funny in Street Fighter 4 that people remember Momochi winning like a tournament with him. But even then, Cody was regarded as generally a very low-tier character in Street Fighter 4, almost like throughout the game's lifespan. He was a very scrub-friendly character, because like, I, I really don't like that term. But Crash. Yeah, I mean, you know, he had some tactics that if you didn't lab him, like they worked really well. And, you know, um, But like his tournament results were abysmal. Uh, people just remember Momochi winning that one tournament with them and, and yeah oh and people remember bj unchained unchaining and running a train on bonchan yeah. at norcal regionals you remember that yes. that was so good mm-hmm. shout outs to bj yeah 
So, uh, but I, I think we're going to see him uh, um, rise up the tier list here a little bit. Uh, not a lot, but um, our, I should say maybe not the tier list because those are slow to react, but I should say the uh, the results. I think we're going to see a good bit more of Cody than we've seen in the past. I, I do have, a, a as I think about it, a decent bit of experience against Cody because like I think the only Cody I really ever run into for the most part is um, Shazzy. And Shazzy's great. And Shazzy plays very much on fundamentals. And as I watch Hoji's videos and, and also his tutorial videos, uh, a very similar, uh, similarly smart player who's really thinking about the nuances of the match and what it means to move forward and how your opponent processes and, and reacts to a general forward movement or backward movement. Like they're thinking about the game on that level. And maybe to be good with Cody requires that you think on the game about the game at that level, which I think is really cool. I think that that's the best. If you have to be very thoughtful and precise, but you get rewarded for doing that, that's what we want out of these characters. you know. And, and not everyone has to be that way. You can have less thoughtful, but maybe not as much reward. Something like what we talked about with Nikali and, and Cami, although they maybe still get too much reward for how much you have to think about them. Yep. Um, things like that. And I think that Urian's one of those characters, true. Mm-hmm. But uh, although Urian is a little more technical, a little harder to play, uh, but he has some really easy stuff. But anyways... Cody does seem like a character that rewards thoughtful play. And a big part of why you wouldn't see a lot of that is because not a lot of people want to put in that amount of time. But I've seen two pretty strong examples in both Shazzy and and, uh, Hoji that this character can get the job done to a a reasonable extent, to a fun extent, if you're willing to put the work in. Yeah, it's it's a big problem in these games where... Again, you you want the cheap stuff. It's a classic quote of like, well, just show me the cheap stuff. I don't want to have to put work in, you know, and do this. And and so you, if those characters don't have a, a large reward waiting for them, and I don't know if Cody has that or not. I don't think like you know she, uh, he's like a poison type character where poison is probably top ten. Um, it's I don't think Cody has that kind of level waiting for him. But you never know. Um, but it's it's hard for the community at, on a big level to wrap their head around a character like that. You know, when you're you're mm-hmm. trying to play to win, it's like and you look at Cody, you go, you know, does does he have the juice, right? So um, so maybe like a top fifteen or a top twenty. I I, I mid tier is where I've got him right now. Uh, this this game is very compressed with the tiers, but it's really hard to get into the upper echelon of dominant characters in this game. I, I can't see that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's very difficult. But uh, one thing about the online tournaments also is that the character variety I is I I don't know if it's season five or you know a combination of playing online or what it is, but we are seeing so much more variety in this game now. Uh you're rarely seeing people loaded up on just like the same character. And uh it's it's really nice and refreshing to see. Yeah. I can't say with a hundred percent certainty that it's because of online but also it's it's because of online <laughs> i mean it, it's a fair statement i mean you and i play online a lot and we know that the variety and the things you see is just it's very different so um yeah and i mean but it's also like people a lot of the people who are entering online like it's free to enter you just have to you know spend your time to do it that's a whole different thing than, than paying like a thousand bucks to go fly out to an event and get you know 32nd place or whatever or 25th i should say um it, it there's no real incentive to do that if you have a chance of winning it yeah and that's why we see a lot of the same players come out to these events you know they know how to make that work for them but for your average player that's that's a pretty tough pill to swallow it's like you might come out to an event or two but like you're not going to freaking travel around the globe and do this stuff because it's like yeah it's like that it's too much money so sure sure and there's a lot of opportunities that online does afford and we're we're happy to take them Uh, i did want to talk a little bit about some of the lowest 
placing characters. Um, one was Alex. He was bottom one across these tier lists for Gamerby, Phenom, Kawano, and Ultra David. And it doesn't get much better from there. He's bottom five for everyone else except for Topanga One, who put him in bottom 10. But he, no one put him outside of the bottom 10. Almost everyone put him in the bottom five. And for four different tier lists, he was the number one worst character in the game. I, I mean, I guess I, I haven't played him enough to, to explore that in comparison to other characters like Falk or, or Ryu. I, and, and Alex is way more popular than most of the... I'm sorry, Falk or... Uh, um, like Vega and and Fong, sorry. Uh, I think Ryu's a little bit higher out of the bottom five. Anyways, I, I see Alex more than anyone. He's like one of the most popular characters to run into online. And I mean, part of that is just because he must be fun and satisfying to play, even though it's a grind. But I, I, to put him so like like uh, so many people are conclusively yeah. putting him at the number one no, no, worst. It, yeah, why people play Alex is he was the protagonist in Street Fighter Three. He's a popular character. I don't know if he's so rewarding to play because you're losing a lot with the character and he's very frustrating to play. But people love the character. He's very very very. Um, he, they just love him, so they play him. But with how much they've explored him, the more people explore a character, the more efficient that they're going to be with him. And that's not going to make him a better character. But there's a lot of more. There's a lot more of a chance for that character that's getting a, a lot of exploration to rise up because he's going to get more and more refined. People are going to figure out the little nooks and crannies of how to make him just that much better. And you add all those things together, compared to a character like Fong, who well, we all have a really hard time fighting, but and is not very popular, or or like Nat. I feel like Nash is reasonably popular and all of the woes that people put uh, or talk about, I think Nash has more. Like, why is Nash not lower than Alex? Yeah, Nash You know, is... like, I think that there are characters that are worse than Alex or that the, that the community should perceive as worse than Alex I, is a better way of putting it. I mean, it. I would look at it as Alex has been heavily explored because of how popular he is and he has not been able to rise up through the tier list pretty much at all. Uh, I really think he's as, he might be the worst character in the game now. Uh, I think there's a good case for him to be that bad. Um, I mean, I, I see. Well, they agree with you. Yeah, I, I see his placement, and I mean, I've talked with uh, Majin Tenshinhan a lot. He mains Alex. Uh, he knows other people who play Alex, and it's like, I mean, you can win with him. It's just you're really, it's hard. It, it's I don't Does know. Does he say he's the worst in the game? Um, Nick? I know he he says he's among the worst. I don't know if he's the very worst, but but yeah. Like I put him bottom five. I can totally digest that. I'm just I'm somewhat surprised to see him number one worst character when you have characters that are like in the same pool but not explored as much like Falk uh, I think that Falk or Nash or maybe even Fong could beat him although Fong is secret amazing tier it just <laughs> but uh yeah so anyways that was that was the result for Alex I also wanted to talk about the results for Gil because people have been crapping on Gil and and you guys you and Steven because Steven's been exploring the character and you've been feeling the wrath of the explored Gil I've put him much higher. Where would you put Gil on the tier list right now? Right now, I have dropped him a little bit, but not much around the 1520 range is where I have them. Uh, because again, some of the other characters that I was underestimating have, have risen up and I do think they might be better. But Gil is very good. Uh, Gil has the two frame parry. Um, and I mean, Nemo plays them. A few other people who are very high level play them. Uh, people will feel the wrath of Gil as well. Uh, he's He's being underrated right now. I don't have a ton of experience. I've run into a handful of... of 
strong players exploring Gil, I think is a good way of putting it, like Dankadia's Gil and, and um, a few others that, uh, you know, I recognize their name, but they're they're playing a different character. And I've played Steven's Gil, and, and it, I see a lot of potential, not only in Steven's ability with the character thus far, but also just seeing those things and saying like, oh man, when Steven gets better at this or, or, or when a Gil player is better with this sort of a thing or has this on point, that's a really scary fundamental uh, problem for your opponent to deal with a lot of the manipulation with the ice balls and the fact that the parry's there um, and he's got a lot of really amazing combos that take you all the way to the corner do a ton of damage and leave you there for a setup and, and it's like I, and I'm not saying that those are bad things because it's starting to sound like I'm talking about G and I think Gil has to earn it from what I've seen a little more than G even though he gets somewhat similar ballpark results for certain things and I would say that that's a good way of doing a character this way where with Gil, it's not overwhelming and too easy and too obvious. You know, he has to earn that kind of a thing. So I've actually been fairly happy with the character's design and I see a lot of potential. But these tier lists, one, Idom did it before Gil had come out or just after and he didn't put um, Gil on the tier list. But he was bottom one for Trashbox, worst character in the game. Bottom five for Topanga and Kawano, and then bottom 10 for uh, two others, and then the rest had him in the bottom uh, 15 or 20. So he never got higher than bottom 20 in the entire tier list. And one thing I'll, that's I'll, weird to me with Nemo exploring him. I'll jump in on, yeah, and it's, it is really weird. And that's actually what I was going to comment on. Japan seems to hate certain character archetypes for some reason. They really disrespect G, and we think it's pretty much like around the globe, everywhere else, we're like, G is really good. I don't know why you guys are doing that. And then like Laura, they heavily disrespected in season two. They're like, oh, this character's garbage and whatever. Well, hey, uh, she's back here in season four and she just whipped her butt, you know, kind of thing. So good thinking with that one. Uh, and again, I don't mm. want to group everyone in Japan together. That's not fair. I'm just saying some of the notable Japanese players um, don't seem to like G for some reason and they seem to really hate Gil too. Um, and I mean, it, it does, this is a... Um, Japan has been so far on top of our community for so long. I think they, they have some some clout, you know, with a lot of people. And, and we we take what they say very heavily uh, and very thoughtful. I mean, and they were all over Seth and it looks like they were correct about that. Um, but I think that I think they definitely have some holes in their vision. And uh, one of the things that, that Nick said is like, you can take their tier list and read it as like a matchup chart for their character. So maybe that the Gil players that they run across or the characters they play, um, Gil is just a really easy matchup for them. For some reason, maybe G is the same thing, but uh, that's probably not the case considering what we've seen in tournament when they run across a G player. So, you know, I should, I, I did the numbers on G and real quick, everyone put him in the top 10, except for Shen who put him as number 11 and then Gamer B put him as 21st. What the hell, Gamer B? Man. What the hell? Yeah, I, I, Hashtag not my world president. Huh? <laughs> but everybody else put him in the top five. Um, I'm sorry, not everybody else. Idom, Trashbox, and Phenom put him in the top five. And you'll notice that's an American, a Japanese, and a European player. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's a, there, there is definitely a regional bias with this stuff. And especially if you've got someone like Punk or whoever else whipping your butt with that character over and over and over again, you're going to be like, yeah, that's I'm underrating this character. So I'm I'm really curious what Nemo does. Um, it, does he stick with Gil? Uh, and does he just wreck everyone's crap? Because he's a... Nemo is probably one of the last players I would ever want to play online. Like just <laughs> the way he <laughs> plays and the way he, he adjusts to games. I am terrified of that guy. I don't think he plays a ton online because he's only Grandmaster, but but my goodness, oof, yeah, it's I'm really curious where that's gonna go. Only Grandmaster. Only. We're all just like, oh <laughs> with as good as Nemo is, you would think, you know, ultimate grandmaster or warlord or something like that. But uh but yeah. I guess, yeah. Okay. So um 
a lot of people have been getting canceled online. And instead of like directly talking about uh, the negative stuff, which is all out there, we've you know reported on it and other things. John and I wanted to take a different tact and, and kind of tell people how the heck to approach dating in the FGC, kind of like getting started. Um, we've seen a number of cases in, in recently where people have been out of touch with reality in terms to how to go about like the simple act of flirting or showing interest in others. Uh, and, and just to state our credentials up here for people who don't know, I've been with my wife now for 11 years. We had three awesome kids. Uh, John, can you give us a little bit of background on yourself? Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, I've dated a handful of people and uh, I've been with my fiance now for almost three years and we're planning on getting married. And I probably have a bunch of kids. I don't know. Yeah. That <laughs> Makes sense. Uh, neither of us are full-blown relationship relationship experts, uh, but we've been able to approach women and hold our relationships together over time, right? Like that's you know something we've done. So uh, I've also seen and heard uh, some of the advice that other people in the FGC have given to each other who are maybe not as well-versed with this stuff. And it's like, Maybe John and I should talk about this on the podcast here for a little bit because this is some of the worst advice I've ever seen in my life in terms of how to talk to the opposite sex and other things. Uh, what are what what kind of advice are you seeing? Oh, dude, like oh, here's a great thing. If if you're curious about the advice out there, just like go on R Kappa for like 30 minutes and you will see. <laughs> it's pretty much all you. I'll just take your word yeah, for it. Yeah, that's oh boy. Um, so you. I think you and I can contribute to leveling up the community here in terms of approaching women. And we're both heterosexual males. Uh, so it's coming uh, from our own experiences and approaches here. But no matter what your orientation is, you can probably figure out a number of ways to apply this stuff to, you know, if people are not that like showing respect and showing, you know, appreciation for someone in the right ways, like that's universal. You know, I, I don't think that, that it's, you know, so, uh, but we're heterosexual men. So we're, you know, focusing on that area, but yeah, you should be able to apply it however you need to. So mm -hmm. this is dating advice. And I want to say this very clearly dating advice. If you're looking to hook up with someone, there are some apps and other stuff that can do a way better job <laughs> helping you out there than we can. Um, so um, we'll start with the elephant in the room. And it's rule number one, don't talk about uh, your or someone else's genitalia right off the bat. You like this. And I, I, that, <laughs> is that number one? Is, is that where we're at right now that that has to be number <laughs> it one? It has to be number one because look, I get this. You get into an awkward situation. You're talking with someone and stuff like that. And you want to say something sexual. You want to say something, whatever. There's a lot of horn dogs running around in the fighting game community. And I, it's not even just the most recent example, which is popping into everyone's head right now. I have seen this from numerous other people in and out of the FGC. And it's like, yeah, don't immediately start talking about your junk or someone else's. And I, literally the number one thing and it has to be the number one for that reason i i'm mind blown how often people resort to this stuff and it's like dude you just like dove head first off of a cliff with no chance of survival like why did you do that so yeah well i guess i'll i will just say yep that's a good bit of advice yeah. <laughs> so uh, there's going to be a point in time like where you actually do discuss your genitalia and sexual relations and other things and that's normal and healthy it's just not within the first few minutes of meeting someone and starting interactions or even like, you know, very early on in your relationship, you'll, you'll kind of know. And, and I, I would actually compare this to, to, you know, lighten it up a little bit, like to doing a super at the very start of a round in street fighter five. Some would argue that it could work, but your odds of success are very, very, very low. So you're going to come off as creepy and that's something you want to avoid at all cost. And that brings us to rule number two. Don't be creepy. 
there's a gigantic difference between being awkward and not knowing the right things to say. And there's actually like, there's a good bit of charm in this. Like as most women know, if you're trying to flirt and show interest in them and don't have the proper tools to do that because you're inexperienced and other things, that's like, um, my wife has actually cited that as like, you know, she loves how, you know, dorky and awkward and stuff like that. I can be with certain things like she finds it very charming. And I know other women in the FGC who are in relationships who have cited the same thing. There's actually a charm to that. Um, but being awkward and like kind of not knowing what to do and other stuff like that is a night and day difference than being creepy and saying weird things. So that is where you have to be very, very, very careful to avoid. And so, but it's okay to be awkward and to stumble over your words and mess up and stuff like that. Again, that's, uh, there's a charm to that. It's we're, we're the FGC social graces is not a thing we are very well known for. Right. And, and we're not big on social graces. <laughs> there you go. Garth Brooks. Uh, and so it's, it's normal to have a tough time navigating through this stuff. So, and, mm -hmm. and yeah, so I'm going to say this again for, for just, it's, you get to a point in a conversation and you're just kind of out of things to say, and you've got just dumb stuff running through your mind. You're not thinking clearly. It's hard to do. And sometimes don't talk about your junk. Yeah, don't yeah, do it. Sometimes some creepy stuff pops up into your head. You're like, you know what? It's a perfect time to say this for some reason, because you want to sabotage yourself or whatever, like practice of not saying or not thinking about that stuff. So you get there. Right. And that's, mm -hmm. that's a big thing. So Agreed. All right. So now that we've told you what not to do, let's give you some advice on actually how to get things going. And one of the easiest things to do is, is with someone you're interested in is ask them if you're at like an FGC event and stuff like that, ask them to run a few sets in a game that they're playing. And this can be super innocuous and just a way of getting to know them. And if they're upset, like after the games, let them be for a bit and just say, hey, thank you for the games, you know, good games, all that kind of stuff. Um, and, uh, you know, but if they look like they're, you know, willing to engage you and talk to you after the games, you can say, hey, it was really nice playing against your character and the strategy that you used was like interesting. And you can see if they're interested in talking with, with you for a bit. Um, keep it simple, uh, but end it if they clearly want to move on and they're busy and other stuff like that. But if they're, they're busy and it doesn't, you know, start off right away, you have an icebreaker for later on. You have something to talk to them about in the future. You can come up to them again like an hour later or something like that if they're not busy and say, hey, you know, I wanted to talk about the sets that we played. Like, what do you think about, you know, this advice or like uh, how to approach the matchup here? Like, what are you looking for? All this kind of stuff. Um, and, and it's a really easy way to kind of break the ice and get to know someone um, and, and kind of uh, not be super awkward about it. And be sure to mansplain every time they do something wrong in the game. Yeah, that is actually one of my notes of what not to do. And that is, uh, oh, yeah. sorry, I'm not very good yeah, at this, no. guys. <laughs> it's, uh, uh, don't, don't lecture, you know, kind of thing. Like, just, just try to have a conversation and go back and forth with people. And it's exactly what you were getting at, right? Um, mm -hmm. And so people might be wondering, okay, like, there's no FGC events right now. Uh, there's none of this stuff is going on. Like, how do you do this outside of the FGC? And, and asking someone if they want to follow up uh, with a discussion about a movie, a band, a TV show, et cetera, over coffee is a polite way of expressing interest. Uh, offering to buy them said coffee or food is a more like overt way of showing interest in someone, uh, but is also totally fine as well. Um, if you work mm -hmm. with someone, for example, saying you want to like talk over lunch with them sometime, uh, if they're free about a subject that you guys are both interested in, you know, like those are very simple ways of starting the discussion and taking it slow. You know, like you can, yeah. you can really approach things like easily and, and just like, it's totally fine to show interest in someone uh, and you just want to take your time with it. 
so the key here again is setting up situations that aren't super high stakes. Uh, the moment you mention your genitals are you're just, you know, you just put the stakes at a thousand, right? You're betting it all then and there, and there's an extremely good chance it's going to backfire on you. And not only that is you're going to taint your reputation within the community as some kind of weirdo who starts talking about his junk like 10 seconds into a conversation. This stuff takes time. A simple conversation and approach builds trust and familiarity with someone. And it's something you can easily grow over time. And at the very worst, you've got another friend or another contact or other things. And if it doesn't work out with them, like they might know someone who would be a really good match for you. And at the very worst, you've got a good circle of friends and a good way of building social skills. Um, and this is stuff that like will help you, uh, you know, in the dating realm, but also in the work realm and other things. Knowing how to talk to people and, and get them at ease, uh, and to do things that like like just you know to keep a conversation going with small talk and show interest in a, a polite way. It's a really good skill to have that will carry you like not only in the dating realm but like other realms in your life and do very well for you. Absolutely. There's a YouTube channel that every so often I'll find myself uh, visiting for one reason or another, usually just perusing around and I like a headline or something, but it's called uh, Charisma on Command. And they talk about social interactions and the little nuances that you communicate through your your body positioning and posture and body language, the inflection in your voice, the word choice that you use, the way you respond to people, all of those different things. And they grab examples, real life examples out of, you know, like TV shows and, and well, who's it, Mad Men and, and John Hamm's character in that and like how they, you know, have this certain presence about them and why they have that, why you feel that way when you're, when you're watching or experiencing these characters, um, real life uh, back and forths between people, stuff like that. But it's, it's been very helpful helpful in not only learning some of the things and the tricks to to um, put yourself or get yourself presented in the way that you want to, but also just to be aware and, and it helps you expand your understanding of how to do these things naturally moving forward. Um, as far as the, the dating advice goes, I, I have a more general approach to it, not as much specifics about it, but I think this is what's been the biggest thing that has helped me. And I was one of the most awkward people, and I'm not an amazing star athlete in this arena by any by any means, but I've had enough success and I'm happy with things, um, with where I'm at in this particular arena of my life. And I'll say the big uh, um, understanding that I kind of came upon was that I was traditionally seeing uh, women and people that I was interested in who were all women, uh, as like, kind of like an, uh, as the other, as there was a bunch of different filters that when I looked at them, I saw them like they're this, and they probably think differently than me about this. And I got to worry about this. And, and, and I was, I was so wrapped up in so many different things. I wasn't treating them like they're just some other human being. I was treating them like they were this completely different person that I was trying to dance to and like check all the bo specific boxes for. And that comes across as very not genuine because it's not. And, and the answer, the remedy to that was get rid of all of that and approach them just as another person who may have similar interests as you and be open with yourself. Don't be trying to check boxes, just be you. And now all the stuff you said about not talking about your junk and all that crap. Like, yes, that's that's 100% some things that you shouldn't do. But I, I'm talking more just on the, the, the wavelength of be yourself, 
Um, be confident in that you know the things that you like. You know the types of discussion topics that you like to go over and and just be you. That's one of the most, people talk about confidence. It's confidence in just being who you are and presenting that to somebody else. And if it works and your personalities are compatible, you'll move on to level two. And if it doesn't, that's completely fine and you'll just go on to to some other some other venture, right? And and that's that's the way it works. But when you're so preoccupied occupied with I need to make sure this works and such and then maybe if you get to level two it's 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 a it's not you who's gotten there it's somebody else that's presented all of these different things because you're seeing this person as someone who they're they may or may not be and you're dancing to some weird imaginary idea of a person so just be yourself be confident in yourself I often but you know going on first dates I try to think of a few topics to keep things going as like you know if things dry up Maybe I'll, I'll bring this up. Who's your favorite Game of Thrones character? Whatever, you know, just have some stuff in the chamber. Um, but really, that's that's the core of it. It, it. You know, it is confidence. But that confidence comes from a place of just being happy with who you are and the things that you're going to talk about. And it's just more of a, I hope that this person likes that stuff too. And if they don't, that's okay. Yeah, and confidence also comes from having practice at this. It's very important that you have uh, a few times through things um, to build up that confidence. And that's why I say it's okay to be awkward and, and nervous and all the other kind of stuff. It's it's hard. Like, um, but I, I want to be very clear in saying you don't have to be an expert to even like a, an expert to even start. Like you can level up. It's like fighting games, right? Like you you just need a bit of practice. Um and, and, and there it is. And, and for the women out there listening to this, all three of you know that asking a girl out on a date is more scary than facing off against a fully stocked Urian who just put you in the corner with two Aegis reflectors in your face and you're down to 5% health. Like you would rather face that scenario like a hundred times than have to ask out a single woman on a date. Like that is how intimidating and scary it is. It's crazy um and sometimes it doesn't go in your favor like the, but the vast majority of women that I, i've seen in these situations that get asked out and stuff like that they're actually really kind and thoughtful they have some appreciation for like what you're what you're going through and like you know how hard it is to put you out there and put like that just unbelievable like rejection you know especially if you've got any friends around or anyone else seeing it and stuff like that that is oh man are you risking it all right first there. girl i ever asked out she had my friend tell me at lunch that she was going to say no. So she went through a friend to tell me no. Um, (laughs) If a woman is crappy about it, I don't see you'd want to why you'd want to be in a relationship with someone like that anyway. If someone's going to be a jerk, like in this situation, it's like, ooh, like what's what's wrong with you? Like, you, do you realize like this is really hard and stuff? Um, but really though, again, most women I've seen be very very kind about trying to let a guy down easy. They 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 really do care about people's feelings and like you know it's they're usually very flattered that you showed interest in the right way. You know so. Mm-hmm. Oh, and one other thing, uh, and, and actually this has is worked to my and a friend's favor in the past. If you are interested and you do say, you know, you, you put forward like, hey, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested. And, and that can be in a varying different levels. It could be a flat out like, hey, do you want to go out? And they say no. Or, you know, hey, do you want to take this a little bit further and go on a dinner date? And they say no, something like that. Or do you want to be my girlfriend? No. The respectful, I take that and I don't push the issue and I don't say, but what if? Or, and I don't bring it up again. That sometimes ends up just being a seed that gets planted that then they come back later and they say, you know what? I'm going to change my answer of my own accord. That has happened more times than you would think. So also respecting the no is a big part of, of all of this. And, and legitimately, not, exp- not not saying, you know, respect the no, but expect that something else is going to come along later down the pike. But respecting the no is also a very strong um, 
a strong showing of character. And that's a big part of this entire equation. You get rejected. It happens. And your life is going to suck for an hour or a day or a month or whatever. It's hard to put yourself out like like this. But you also get over it and you you realize that being rejected is not the worst thing ever. You you go up, oh, it happens and you move on. You've been rejected, I've been rejected, it happens. It's you showed interest and it's like but I also um through this like building up my skill set and stuff I found my wife who I absolutely love to pieces she is like i can't imagine my life without her we've been together like i said almost 11 years and it's like we're still building and and doing other stuff in our relationship to work on things but it's like i found my soulmate with her and and it is she is awesome and and sometimes i get really 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 pissed off at her and other things and like that happens it's part of relationship that's like way down the line here so we're starting with the basics first um and (laughs) but yeah um a few weeks, we'll, we'll we'll talk about how to handle really intense fights with your spouse. Yeah, we'll get into that at some <laughs> other point. But um, but again, a big key here is like until you're highly familiar with reading body language and signs, don't move too fast. Take your time, and it's really okay to move slowly, especially if you don't have a lot of experience. And you know, it's there's a charm, like I said, to being dorky and you know speaking at like a, a whisper, basically the first time you ask a girl out because of how nervous you are and not even being able to form coherent sentences or, or thoughts or even words for that matter you're speaking strictly in vowels um dude my first my that that girl that rejected me the way i asked her out was hey um so you know like my friends keep bothering me about it because they think that we would probably be like you know a good couple or something so like uh what do you do you, like, i'm not doing anything did you want to like uh, be a, like a boyfriend girlfriend like that was more or less exactly how it happened uh and so she's like i gotta think about this and then she told my friend to tell me to, to piss off yeah <laughs> and i can't blame her in the slightest <laughs> we're really bad at this to start so we're really 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 not equipped to it and that's okay you're gonna trip over your own feet five times or however many times just don't mention your junk and don't mention and don't be (laughs) creepy about it i get it it's hard and your brain isn't working so you know you could practice a little bit right so but but just some real quick tips here uh that kind of a recap but show genuine interest in the person you want you want to see and get to know more like you 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 just need to take your time getting to know them and have some reasonable conversations first so they can build up a little bit of trust and an idea of who you are right and that means take things slowly. Um, you you build a relationship over time through trust and respect. Those are two very big words. There, it's uh, guys seem to want to jump into things like, "Hey, go go go!" But why aren't we? Why haven't we been dating for ten months already? Like when I just met you, you know, kind of thing. It's like, no, no, no. Like pump the brakes. You don't know this person, and they don't know you. Take it slowly. Um, and a, a final thing I, I've seen quite a bit here in the FGC is don't go after women already in a relationship. This is creepy. Oh. This is the exact opposite of how you want to be viewed out there in the dating pool. If if someone is uh, already in a committed relationship and you know that, uh, a good way to check that is the wedding ring. And if But if you know they're dating someone and they've been dating someone for a while, don't show interest uh, in them. It's That's off limits. Don't do it. You can talk to them and other things like that. Uh, but you, yeah. Um, it's it's you're going to get labeled as creepy like if you do that kind of stuff and you don't want that label uh it makes your life much 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 harder and yeah so plus it's a dick move guys so this stuff 
is very challenging. I, I think everyone's kind of getting that 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 message out there. And, and there's a ton of bad advice on how to approach it, probably from your FGC friends who are not experienced in this stuff. Are your other circle of friends who don't know how to do it properly? Are they trying to get you on a hookup uh, kind of situation versus like a dating situation? Again, this is dating advice. This is how to approach someone for a long-term um, or, or, you know, a decent term, at least relationship. Um, and, and John and I could tell stories for days about how horrific some of the advice that we got was uh, in and outside of the community. Um, man, I think we'll, we'll probably do another episode actually, maybe with just <laughs> real FGC stories of dating advice. Kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that said, if you have questions and you want to stay anonymous, both John and I have contact forms on the website. Um, you can submit questions there. Um, or if you, you just want to ask us to, to read your question and not include your name, that's fine as well. Um, we're happy to keep people anonymous and stuff. Um, and as we've mentioned, we'll be talking about this in the future. Like, because not only do we want to help you level up in fighting games, but we want to help the fighting game community level up and have healthier relationships and understand how to kind of treat people with a little bit more respect. That's social graces. We want to kind of get those going as well. Um, and there it is. So, uh, and then the last bit of advice is don't talk about your genitals when you first meet someone. <laughs> Just don't do it. <laughs> I feel like you want to talk about something else. No, like, no, I'm really good. I'm, I'm just, it's, that's <laughs> after hours of Ed Hope's podcast. Huh? All right, y'all. That's going to wrap us up for this week of the Ed Hope's podcast. Once again, thank you so much for listening and we'll be back with you soon.